Okay. Let's do this thing. And I see that you're recording in the corner. Lovely. I am. I am. And uh, you can hear me. I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? Cool. Cool. I can hear you. Beautiful. Let's do it. Let's do it. What city are we doing this week, Ben? <laughs> Welcome to Restless oh, Spirits. Welcome to Restless Spirits. I'm Taylor. <laughs> I'm Ben. What no, city are we are we doing Tucson finally? No, no, we're never doing Tucson. I swear to God, we're going to do Tucson. God, no. Another Arizona city, Phoenix. Phoenix, Mesa. Uh, Santa, no, Santa Fe is New Mexico. Is called Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone. Tombstone exists. Is that in Arizona? Tombstone, Arizona. Mm. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Seems Sedona, like a city we should Flagstaff. Yeah, Tempe. Glendale. Although, although isn't Glendale just like outside Phoenix? Yeah. Arizona where City. Is, oh come on. Where is um Eleanor from on uh the good place? She's from Arizona. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. I mean, and you know, and she is trash. So she's trash. It's but yeah. she's lovable and she grows. That's the endearing whole point. trash. Endearing trash. She just has to meet Listen, the that's right set of What my memoir is going to be called? Endearing trash. Yep. There you go. All right. So we're not doing any cities in Arizona. What are we doing? San Francisco. San Francisco. Yes. I hear if you're going. You should put some flowers in your hair. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Have some rice Is that still a thing? Is rice still a thing? Yeah. Okay. A San Francisco treat. I believe so. Is it exclusive to San Francisco? Like, Isn't that the jingle? I think so. Yeah. Man, well, why we're is old. it a San Francisco treat? What? Like, what is it about San Francisco that makes them think, mmm, box rice? I think that's where it was invented. Right. But I, I get that. Like, what, what, like, I also get so, Zatarain mixed up. That's New Orleans. I know that. Zatarain's. Yeah. Mm. Happy Mardi Gras coming up, by the way. Mardi Gras is coming up. And me, like an idiot, didn't look at the calendar. And I thought mm -hmm. Shrove Tuesday was close enough to Mardi Gras, so I made jambalaya on Tuesday. Yeah, I oh. made it shortly. I mean, there's never a bad time for jambalaya. No, I, I enjoy it tremendously. Any time of the year, day, month. Yeah, I'm happy with jambalaya. It's a great, it's but a great dish. It is. I don't know if you can get any in San You Francisco. have to make it with seafood. I didn't this time. I, I don't mind making it with seafood. But I don't it doesn't like seafood. keep very well. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. I don't like seafood, so I like crab and that's about it. I use chicken and andouille sausage. Crab would be Ooh. delightful in a jambalaya though, but I don't. I mean, have... I would eat that. I mean, yeah, crab, I I mean the thing about crab is that it has a very meat-like consistency. Sure, sure. Um, it doesn't taste taste fishy. We're all post-COVID. A crab boil would be a delightful event. Yes. Have you ever done? I've talked about Low Country boils. I know of them. I've not participated in one. That'll Although, I mean, it is exactly up my alley. I'm, I'm all in. You would love it. Yeah. 
But they don't do those in San Francisco, do they? No, they don't. They don't. There's chocolate. There's Ghirardelli. There is and sourdough. Oh, and sourdough. My favorite kind a, of bread. There is a very famous oyster restaurant in San Francisco. And I was thinking I about that in regards to a cocktail. But I trust you. I've had oysters like once or twice. I would, I don't know if I'd do it again, but it's called the Oyster Depot. Do you ever think about the person who like ate the first oyster and like how brave they were? There is an episode of a Japanese show called Samurai Gourmet on Netflix that kind of covers this. Oh, really? Do you know what what uni is? No. It is sea urchin roe or sea urchin eggs. Okay. And it's like this orange stuff and it's apparently delightful. But But basically the premise of the episode was like, who the hell grabbed a sea urchin this Big old spiky, ugly thing. Yeah. Thought to crack open the inside and think, mm, I'm going to eat that. Yeah. Who looked at an oyster and was like, mm, sea booger? Sure. I'm guessing a French person. Someone's like, I enjoy eating phlegm. Let me. I mean, I didn't dislike oysters when I had them. I just haven't had them very often. So I, I am the odd man out in my family because most people in my family love oysters and they'll eat them raw, they'll eat them fried, they'll eat them, like, we'll just do like, I guess you can grill them. People like them grilled. I've heard about um, them grilled, yes. Yeah, like my family will eat, like my mom, my sister, my aunt, like they'll be like, oysters on the half shell. And like, it's very like a thing. And I'm like, I would really rather not eat a booger. Thank you. Please and thanks. I like... I'm afraid to cook them at home. And yeah, that's fair. Since we're since we're not on the coast, I'm skeptical of ordering, ordering them at restaurants. So it's been a long time for me. I think most places in Richmond, you're fine. Um, and order them in months with the letter R. So right now we are not in oyster season. Yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. No, I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. I don't know why I thought we weren't. Soon, like the the months that you would think of of being like oyster months are not oyster months. There's a big oyster festival in November somewhere in, oh gosh, where is it? Urbana. Yeah. Which, yes. That's like where my my, my dad is from that area. Or my my dad's- People from my work. My dad's from like, not far from there. He grew up around. I don't there. actually know where Urbana is, but some people from my office, from my work, will go there every year for the festival. This hand gesture, which should tell you everything you need to know, then. Especially since I can't see your hand because it's out of frame. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. we're good now. Um, no, it's like it's it's. Um, I don't know. We used to go down there. My uh, my dad's parents lived in Deltaville, which is very close by. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and my dad grew up with like boats and stuff. And this is also completely true is that my grandfather's ancestors owned a seafood market in Richmond. And so my great grandmother apparently knew how to shuck oysters like very, very well. And she taught my grandmother, um, her daughter-in-law, my grandmother, how to shuck oysters. So Mimi can shuck oysters with the best of them. Mimi will have to teach me. I would love to learn well, that. She would have I mean, to. a nice skill. So San Francisco. In San Francisco, there's an oyster <laughs> yeah. restaurant there. Yes, it's called the Oyster Depot. And it's a very famous restaurant that I've seen in many okay. travel shows. It's delightful. I feel like I'm, I don't know much. I feel like I've always wanted to go to San Francisco and have never sure. actually been. 
but like I saw Princess Diaries when I was young and I was like mm. that seems cool and then also Full House yes. also takes place in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, Danny Tanner and and <laughs> that other lady I don't know if you know about her she hasn't been in the news at all lately she's you know not important Oh, um, Lori Laughlin or whatnot. Yeah, they were they were the hosts of Wake Up San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But hey, no, I, I and I'm I love um I love music from the '60s, and so like, Hate Ashbury is like a big big part of like that culture, and that's in San Francisco. So like, I've always wanted to go, and I've always thought it would be super cool, and like it's not super far from Berkeley, which I right. Oh, to visit so i've always wanted to go but i have never been my brother and his well now wife went on their honeymoon and then brought benjamin back a book about like the sites of san francisco and it was a delightful book but more importantly did the the family in full house did they live in one of the houses on broderick street was that the point yes okay yes yes okay I did. I did not know. I could. I, yeah, that. A, the, I was the, a few. Pot, are you talking about like the whatever happened to predictability? And then it's like showing the houses. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, they the live Victorian in Victorian style houses that are kind of the pastel colors. Yes. Okay. I I didn't know that was because those those are famous homes in San Francisco. Yeah. I didn't realize that they that was a setting for the family. Yes. Okay. Now I just want to sing the theme song since I started. It is stuck in my head now. Thank you. I do predictability. The milkman, the paper boy, and evening TV. You miss your old familiar friend. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Was there any further? We would be in legal trouble. So thank you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair enough. I'll stop. It is also frighteningly similar to the theme song from Family Guy, but sort of the, the good old days. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen that show. I've seen some some of it. I'm, I'm not. Well, I've seen like every ago. episode of Full House that is in existence multiple times. I have not done that. It used to be on TNT, TBS. It used to be on TNT or TBS, one of those. I feel like if it was on one, it was probably on the other as well. Yeah, rolled mm. reruns, and I would watch them religiously. Because mm. so, I was, I was kind of on the cusp of like, I don't think it was on air when I was old enough to watch it. I'm not that much time? older than you, but but it was on air when I was young enough to have seen it. Because I don't really... like I didn't catch up with it from the Netflix stuff. I, I I remember it from when I was a child. But I'm an old man. Yeah, I mean, I was a so... child when I watched it, but I don't think. Let's see when it ran. Oh, it's on Hulu. Oh, if you have the premium subscription. So it ran from 1987 to 1985. Wait, I mean, wait, wait. it ran. Me 1987 okay. to 1995. Astonishing so was, time travel technology. So I was four when it went off air. Bloody hell, I was seven. Okay. Yeah. So I don't remember watching it live, I, but I remember watching it later when I was like I do remember watching older, it. And it was I don't know what I don't know what network channel it was on when it, when I, we were children, but yeah. It wasn't on TBS then. This is a full house podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have we on just... the girl that played Kimmy in the next in the next segment. <laughs> Dude, Kimmy Gibbler was an early comedy um 
icon okay. for me. Oh, oh. <laughs> she really? She's very funny. I'm sure she was. And I thought, I'm not a Michelle, nor am I a DJ. I was probably more of a Stephanie, um, just in terms of my attitude towards life. Sure. Uh, because like when she was younger, she was a bit of a ham. But then she got older. I mean, she there was drama. Do you remember the episode where she almost smoked in a bathroom? I do not. With the bad girl Gina. Oh. See, I think my family were we were kind of a Family Matters family. Oh, <gasps> Family Matters, such a good show. Mm-hmm. Where did that take place? Not in San Francisco. I thought Chicago. That sounds right. Well, now we have to look that up. This is very important. Yeah, suburban Chicago. Nice. Okay. Which then destroys the diehard timeline with Reginald Val Johnson being <laughs> a cop in both in both Die Hard and Family Matters. Because he couldn't be in Chicago and New York at the same time. No, he could not be. Yeah. Well, that throws away a piece of my childhood. Shame. I'm sorry. It's fine. San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> What else, what else can you tell me about San Francisco, Ben? Well, besides like, you know, tech hub kind of general, like home of most assholes. Yeah. I mean, not fair. There are some nice people there. There are also some assholes. Sure. But it's... I mean, is the Castro still kind of like a huge hub for the LGBTQ community? Yeah, but it's still but like everything else in the city is gentrifying rapidly. Okay. But thanks, like, okay, weirdly, thanks to the pandemic, not <laughs> not so much. A lot of it's moving to Austin a lot. Like, you know, a lot of tech hubs are saying stay home. We kind of so, talked about that, didn't we? Last week or a couple weeks ago when we did Austin. Yeah, we did in our Austin episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, however, though, San Francisco still has the quote marks distinction of being the city with the highest salaries, highest disposable income and highest home prices in the world it is expensive as hell yeah yeah Yeah. it was founded in 1776 by the spanish originally as a mission and then you know you know they they had their thing they kept it going then the gold rush hit you know everyone hustled out west i mean americans were already moving out west you know manifest destiny and that sort of thing were already Oh yeah, pushing that that way anyway. But then the gold rush. Oof. I'm doing just a super oh, quick boy. overview of San Francisco history. Yeah, we're hitting then gold rush 1849, and then the next big event is the 1906 earthquake, which was. Go ahead. I was gonna say that's gonna come up in my story, but you can talk. About I kind of figured it would. Yeah. It was, you know, devastating and awful and yeah, as famous. earthquakes typically are. Yeah, there's not really a nice earthquake out there. Hmm. Yeah. And Alcatraz. And I'm not really gonna say anything anymore because everyone's got an Alcatraz story of some kind. Yeah, I almost you rock. know, I thought about doing Alcatraz too for the I feel like I do this a lot where you like <laughs> the past couple of episodes I've been like, yeah. you've mentioned something that is haunted. Yeah. And I thought about doing it for this episode. And then I was like, but everyone knows about Alcatraz. Like everyone knows the ghost stories of Alcatraz. Like, like honestly, I did not. But I did know about the Sean Connery movie, The Rock, which is terrible, but wonderful. So 
Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, always a winning combination. That's a great combo. Oh, hell yeah. I've never seen I that. Mean, oh, it's, it's spectacular. I mean, tomorrow's going to be a, an ice day. You might as well watch it. It's true. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to put out there. You said an ice day, not a nice day. No, no, ice day. N ice day. Yes, because it's icing in Richmond right now. Yes. Well, freezing rain. Yes. Which I didn't know the distinction really until yesterday when my meteorologist explained it on air. And then I was like, go. oh, that's what that means. Bingo. In in happier news, when you consider ice storms and earthquakes. Yeah. San Francisco is home to the nation's oldest Chinatown. You know, lots of Chinese workers too. came and over. Yes, and is today Chinese, is, is today Lunar New Year? Yesterday, February the 12th, Yesterday. I believe. Okay. Uh, we we had dumplings and teriyaki salmon, which I understand in Japanese, don't at me. And lo <laughs> mein, we tried to be, longevity noodles, not lo mein, longevity noodles. We tried to be, we tried to celebrate, so. Oh, nice. I, yeah. I, I didn't have Chinese food. I do have stuff to make dumplings um, right now. But You've I, got a Peter Chang within walking distance. You should never have to true. make Chinese food. This is true. Oh, I do love Peter Chang. <sighs> now I wish I'd ordered that for dinner. Although they're probably not delivering because of ice. Again, you're like 200 yards away. Go, go get yeah. you some Peter Chang. <laughs> I'm not leaving the house today. There. I, I didn't leave either. Except for when a branch probably hit my car. <laughs> Did you check your car? There is like, I can see a peak, like where like the ice is all like off my car, like a kind of a semicircular area. So I'm assuming the branch hit my car and bounced. Okay. Off the back of the car. So, I mean, look, I drive a Prius. So if anything really taps the car, it'd fall apart in a heartbeat. So. Okay. <laughs> um yeah we'll see what happens we also have power fluctuations all night so this ends yeah, prematurely this... we'll know why yeah yeah whoops what else can you tell me about san Fran? san francisco san fran so there are actually four chinatowns in san francisco okay the old the oldest one is on grant avenue slash stockton street so like that's like the original and there are several others okay. i actually did not look at a map because this afternoon, while I was writing this, my internet flickered again because the ice storm. So, this has been a stressful episode put together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is also home to MythBusters. I don't know about you, but I was like a massive MythBusters dork when I was younger. That's not surprised me at all. And yeah, it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. It unsurprising. I yeah. definitely can see that. The Mythbusters guy came to our school, like our, our college, which was cool as hell, except for the comps I teacher that interviewed them that we hated. It's fine. Oh. I'm not still not bitter about it. <laughs> no feelings about that at all. No, no. However, rest in peace, Grant Imahara. I'm sorry. I'm so sad that he's gone. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's sad. It is very sad. However, moving on to the rest of San Francisco, it's a very hilly city. Like it, it's very hilly. Like famously hilly. There's a scene in uh, Princess Diaries. <laughs> Do you remember when her car rolls? You don't. And then they get on the trolley. 
And Julie Andrews delivers the line. Oh, what line is it? Oh my God, where she's like, good day, trolley people. You really think you're doing this with my wife. This is, you you think you're doing this podcast with my wife. Who would know the answer? (laughs) Don't watch Princess Diaries, y'all. It's a great movie. See, I was going to say Bullet, because that's good as hell. And like also relies on the hills in San Francisco. We are very different people. <laughs> Slightly, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I attached a picture in the notes, though, of Lombard Street, which is very, very hilly indeed, and it's very um, hilly. Yeah, it. The Lombard Street runs up Russian Hill, and it's so hilly that the, the, the road kind of snakes up the hill. So you have this series of very tight U U bend turns you have to make. I don't know that I ever want. I wouldn't want to that drive much. there. And also, Taylor and I talked about this before we recorded this afternoon. But like, I know about San Francisco essentially from MythBusters and Monk. So like, yeah, it's kind of all. Yeah, I don't know of any of the shows that take place in San Francisco like that. It's not. It's not one of the cities that takes place like that. Like, has a high like kind of pop culture space. I'm trying to think. I feel like I've watched a lot of things that take place in. I mean, I've named a bunch of things. You have. You've primarily mentioned The Princess Diaries. And Full House. And Full House. Fair. Um, the movie Milk. Harvey Milk. He was from San Francisco. Well, yeah. I mean. I was, I was coming to that because there's so much counterculture history in San Francisco. You yeah. mentioned, you know, Castro earlier. And Hate ashbury And Hate ashbury for sure. There's the beat movement, you know, mm-hmm. beatniks and sort of, there was the Summer of Love in 1957, the LGBTQ movement in the 70s with Harvey Milk, you know, yeah. running for city council, eventually getting assassinated, but still advancing the cause. I, this is totally true. This is, I did not know enough about LG, LGBTQ um, history when that movie came out, when Milk came out um, with, uh, what's his face? Sean Penn. Yeah, Sean Penn. Um, and I watched it and I didn't know that he died. Oh, really? Like, I didn't know that that was the history, like that, that that's what happened. I didn't know. I- um in fairness, I, I can't blame you. It's not like it's not like they teach us that in school. No, and, and they should. in Virginia, they may in the west on the west coast, but they certainly they might. There's like so much. Five YouTuber. years of fucking I mean, Jamestown. They should. I mean, I mean, maybe not in a Virginia history class or whatever, but we should definitely be learning about the Stonewall riots, and we should be learning about Harvey Milk, and we should be learning about these things that we don't learn about. I would like to think that our children will learn about these things that we miss out on. Well, we can make sure they learn if the school system lets them down. I like this. I like, I like this, this train, of th- train of thought. It sounds vaguely <laughs> revolutionary. Yes. Mm. And I had my notes in case, you know, people would complain if I didn't say it, Full House. But we, we've covered Full House quite thoroughly. Yeah, so. I said Full House a lot. Yes, you did. Turn you up, <laughs> turn up the volume. That sounded those. My, weird am I very quiet up. in my full house declaration? Um, apparent. Oh, okay. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. 
we covered this earlier, but San Francisco's kind of culinary, culinary contributions, Ghirardelli, the chocolate, yes. chocolate company, sourdough, notoriously yep. famous, the mission style burrito, which is basically what you get at Chipotle, which is the rice and the beans stuck yeah. in the burrito. That is oh, a kind of San Francisco, that. California thing. Yeah. I haven't decided if I like it yet or not, just because it's so much food. I just, any kind of burrito is okay in my book. I do love a burrito. And I love Ghirardelli. I have like three bags of Ghirardelli around my apartment right now because Valentine's Day is coming up. And I was like, I'm going to treat myself with white chocolate caramel. I I can't do white chocolate. Oh, all the chocolate in my house right now is white chocolate. No, I can't do it. I've never been a white chocolate person. Um, at the, during the holidays, and this is absolutely true, and I don't know if you can still find them now. I think it was like a limited edition. Lindt, mm-hmm. who does like the Lindor truffles. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. Released snickerdoodle truffles that were made with white chocolate and then like little bits of snickerdoodle cookies. Mm-hmm. I can were, find them. They were delightful. And I ate like a whole <laughs> bag and like not enough. Like I that they were real good. And I am sad that they're gone now. In Charlottesville, there is an actual like lint store. So I can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can go and like just pick the, the truffles mm-hmm. off my choosing. And they have it's like it's like a jelly belly story where they have like all the different like racks of different flavors and you just go in and get what you when want. When the pandemic is over, I'm going to Charlottesville. I mean, you, should, you could always go right now because Charlottesville is delightful. Well, I can't All go times. right now because there's a lot of ice on the roads. Yeah. Okay. Um, go go on Monday. Okay. I'll just skip work. I'll just call my boss and be like, hey, listen, I know that like <laughs> I'm on the schedule, but I'm going to go to Charlottesville and buy chocolate. Bye. I mean, if you tell him slash her, but you're buying her. them chocolate as well. Her. Tell her that oh. you're buying her chocolate as well. And she may well let you off. That's true. I don't know if Misty listens to this podcast, but I feel like she'd be the type of woman who'd be like, yeah, go get me chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate and bagels. Like just just get the Charlottesville hits while you're there. Okay. Y'all yeah. are y'all have big y'all are big on bagels? Have I not mentioned Bodo's bagels in the Charlottesville episode? No, no, you have. You have. I'm sorry. You have. No, it's quite all right. Just please make sure you get some support okay. local business. No, I do love supporting local businesses. So what are we drinking? We are drinking a kind of very classic drink that we haven't covered before. Should I be honest and be like, what are you drinking since I'm not drinking the same thing that you're drinking? In fairness, first time ever. There's an ice storm. You weren't able to get to the store. Yeah. That's going to happen. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm drinking an all-time classic, kind of the quintessential cocktail, the martini. Yes. The old school gin martini. How's, how's it tasting for you? Delightful. Good. And the trick is, and I mentioned this later in the ingredients, I'll tell you, I'll tell you up front. You gotta buy good gin, good vermouth. You know, take it seriously. If you do buy the cheap shit, don't. This is not the time to buy beef feeder. No offense to beef feeder. This is this is not where you belong. You know, 
What are like, some, because I'm not a gin drinker. What are some okay. of your like gin preferences? Bombay, Bombay Sapphire, like the, like the good shit. Bombay has like a regular line and then the Sapphire line. Sapphire. Tanqueray, generally mm-hmm. pretty good. I'm drinking Hendrix tonight. Hendrix is incredible. I enjoy them okay. tremendously. Aviation is lovely. Um, Blue Coat is good. If you, um, they're an American manufacturer out of Philadelphia. I have not seen them in Virginia terribly often. Okay. So, you know, if you can find them, go for them. But Aviation is nationwide. Tanqueray is nationwide. You know, Hendrix should be nationwide at this point. So go for, those are easy ones to go for. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I don't I don't I don't drink gin very often, um, so that's helpful. I'm kind of a gin dork, so I. I, well, I know you like gin a lot, and we've had I, I think we've had a conversation gin. on the on the on the show before. Mm-hmm. I love like there's a pininess to gin, because the juniper berries that some people yeah. hate and some people love, like it's it's a very kind of you know split spirit that way. So yeah. And that's why, because this martini has, this cocktail has so little in it, it's kind of, you've got to pick something you really like, so you can yeah. accentuate those flavors. Yeah, that makes, like, that makes a lot of sense. There's a gin that Tanqueray makes called Tanqueray Rangpur, that uses Rangpur limes in the mm-hmm. making of the gin, so it has a little bit of citrus in it. So if you like citrus, that's an easy one to go for. Okay. Okay. Should I say what I'm drinking real quick? Yes, please do, because you are not having a martini. I'm tonight. not having a martini. I'm not drinking you. Drinking you? I'm not drinking with you. I'm not drinking the same thing. Um, I don't know. My brain is puzzled. Um, Let me get my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Oh, um, okay. No, I'm drinking, and I, this is actually a drink that we made before and it was actually your idea because I was like I don't know what to make and you were like do you have these things and I was like I do have those things and you were like drink this um so I'm I'm doing the gold rush that we made for our Nashville episode so it's it's whiskey I used whiskey um whiskey honey uh honey simple syrup and I used lime instead of lemon because I didn't have lemons around um, because I couldn't get out <laughs> to go to the store um, because of the ice. So now when you say whiskey, um, was it bourbon? Was it rye? Was it whiskey? Was it actually it is, was it? Uh, I have it right here in front of me. It is the um, the Frontier whiskey. We use this for a drink. Oh, it's bullet rye. Bullet yeah. rye. Okay. Yeah. This is good to know because like these recipes, they're not, they're written to be like use bourbon. But for example, Taylor had rye tonight and it still tasted pretty it good, tasted I'd say. It amazing. I used rye yeah. and I used lime and it was good. Good, yeah. So as long as you have, in this circumstance, all whiskey, all citrus, you still have a lovely drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's good. It w- I've finished it now. Um, in, the, in the brief time that we've been talking, I might make a second. By all means, I, but this is the point. Like. My, the recipes that we that we share with you are they're not rigid like if you've got yeah. something else that would sort of work go with it just make sure it's a really good sort you know substitute if you've got one don't yeah don't skimp if you can help it especially in in the recipes that we have tonight taylor's for example there's only one or two good ing- ingredients so they have to be good ingredients for the whole drink to yeah. taste good 
if and I use craft gin, this martini would take would taste <laughs> terrible. It says so. it tastes great, and um, I, I the 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 honey simple syrup was like very easy to make. Yeah, it took like less than five minutes. Good, 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 <laughs> like, good. Just quick. These are not recipes that should challenge you. These are oh, challenge you, but only in a positive way. Like we're not trying yeah. to trip you up with complicated ingredients. I'm not going to grab some cocktail that needs 15 different degrees that you'll never use again. Yeah. Because I don't have the budget to do that. And again, so, I mean, you heard me. You you heard me say that like this was rye whiskey that we used in an earlier episode. That yeah. I was just like, oh, it's in my it's in my cabinet. I can pull it out and use it for the strength. Yeah. One of these days we'll do an episode of like here are the five or six like spirits to keep in your cabinet and like the five or six sort of like mixers slash sort of yeah. accessories and then we'll show you exactly how much you can do from that kind of what appears to be small bar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but okay, the but okay. So a martini always seems very complicated and scary to me. I've never had one before, so you'll have to walk me through it. Yeah, it's pretty simple. So we'll, we'll start with the history, the origins. Right. So there's a couple, the name may come from kind of Martini, like Martini and Rossi, like the Vermouth Company. It mm -hmm. could come from there. Um, it could come from the fact that it was developed or it was created, and I say that in quote marks, at a town of Martinez, California. Okay. So Martinez, Martini, possibly. Um, this, it's got a very kind of mixed history. It could either have come from California, it could come from New York at the Knickerbocker Hotel. We're going with the California explanation because we're in San Francisco this week. They're in San Francisco, yeah. Yeah. So it's a derivation of, supposedly, a derivation of a drink called the Martinez, which was first served sometime in the 1860s-ish era of the Occidental Hotel in San Francisco. So that, that was kind of a very popular overnight stop before taking a ferry to the town of Martinez in California. Okay. Uh, they, no one really knows that the drink was created in Martinez or named after Martinez. Mixed history. But uh, Jerry Thomas, who is a historian slash, you know, bartender, wrote an 1887 edition of the Bartender's Guide, How to Mix All Kinds of Plain and Fancy Drinks. Which I, I love would that. love to find. Yeah, I would love to find a copy of that. Yeah. A yeah. lot of these books that we talk about would be lovely to find. I looked up some of them and they're always like several hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just, I've not bothered. But the original kind of Martinez cocktail created at the Occidental Hotel had gin, vermouth, bitters, and maraschino liqueur. So the maraschino liqueur gave it lots of sweetness, gave it a reddish color. So much sweeter and kind of prettier, prettier so to speak, yeah. than its sort of modern day descendant. Uh, so it kind of evolved over time to just be a very classic gin, vermouth, and that's kind of it. If you want to go yeah. a dirty martini, that's gin, vermouth, and then like a little bit of olive juice and an olive. That's called a Gibson, I believe. Taylor's making a yucky face. I tried a Gibson last night and I couldn't do it. The saltiness of the olives just threw me. I don't like I don't. olives. True. But like, so. I believe there's probably a decent salty cocktail out there, but it ain't for me. You know? I come off as a very like picky eater today because I was like, I don't like seafood. I don't like olives. 
Oh, well. But like, in fairness, those are like your two don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. eat most everything just, else. Yeah. Yeah. We just hit your two. You just got unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel there's, you can do it with, a, with olives. There are versions with, I think, a pickled onion. I was going to say, I've seen people do it with onion before. The pearl, the like pearl onions. Yeah. Sorry. The, no, the pickled fine. onion is the Gibson. I apologize. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I might the like that olive. better than I like an olive. You know, you may, because the, the sour tone, I don't know if there's going to be a salty tone in those. Yeah. Uh, but the, the olive one is the just the, the dirty martini, as they call it. Mm. Dirty. Um, yeah. It didn't work for me. I preferred the, the sort of gin vermouth and just a spritz of kind of the lemon zest. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this great story about Winston Churchill, who... I love a good Winston Churchill story. His his martini recipe was to basically pour himself a cup of gin and glance in the direction of France for the vermouth. <laughs> Just look at France. <laughs> that's that's very uh, Winston Churchill... Like, even if, if you had just like said, like hadn't, hadn't ascribed it to anybody and you were just like, yeah. there was this one guy, I was like, would it have been, was that Winston? Yeah. It sounds very yeah, much like it really him. was. Yeah. I say as though I know him. There's another fantastic story about him having taken, he, he took his meetings in the bath a lot. So he'd be bathing yeah. and like ministers come in and like talk to him. And apparently two royal guards had gotten in trouble for having activities with each other. In, on a very cold winter's night oh my and it was like minus 20 degrees or whatever and he's like wait and they were still like outside having activities with each other makes you proud to be british <laughs> i'm just like i'm just continued <laughs> love it love it yeah, yeah. Winston didn't care that's fantastic i wish he seems like he'd be a cool person i mean he was yeah. kind of a war criminal but also he seems like he'd be a cool person yeah yeah like terrible person but also cool person yeah, like definitely person you want to go drink with for sure. Yeah, also yeah, like and, only, like, and, and just that, nothing else. I don't want to. Oh yeah, no, no. Policy. Also, or... he's like always played by John Lithgow. Have you know? Have you noticed this? That like John Lithgow plays yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's Aliens and Winston Churchill. That's kind of all of John Lithgow's. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sort of, yeah, that's kind of it. Oh man, Third Rock from the Sun. Did that play, take place in San Francisco? I don't know. I feel like a lot of sitcoms do. My first thought was the show Monk. I kind of oh. love that show. And Full House is mine. Yeah. Rutherford, Ohio. Okay, so not anywhere near San Francisco. Cool. Nope. Nope. So yeah. The martini. How yeah, do you make how do you one? Do it? Again, like I said earlier, there's like two or three ingredients. So you gotta make sure they're two or three good ingredients. Don't skimp. This is the one time you buy the good shit and make it right. So two and a half ounces of gin, one ounce of dry vermouth. Sweet vermouth is red, dry vermouth tends to be white. So make sure you buy dry white vermouth. Vermouth is a fortified wine. I don't know if we've talked about it before. I think we've used it in recipes before, but I don't think it. we've talked about it. Yeah, it's a fortified wine. It's basically wine that is 
made and then additional spirit is added to boost the alcohol content. Is it sort of along stable. the same lines as like port or sherry? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, it's um, very good vermouth is sipped kind of on its own as a cocktail or sort of as an aperitif or digestive. But, you know, sherry and port, they don't need to be mixed in cocktails. You know, that's sort of no. on its own. You have it. I have essentially had, an ingredient. I've had both port and sherry, and I've done um, port. Fl- I've done sherry flights. I would love had, like, to do a port tasting. Oh, there's a really. I know we do this a lot <laughs> when we get off track, but I will just say this one thing: there is a winery in Annapolis, Maryland, called mm. Great Frogs, and they have a really, really, really good port. Hmm. I don't know that I've ever had port. I would like to try it. Oh, port is really good. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I know that it's sort but of But like, vermouth is not exactly the same. Not exactly the same. However, I was going to in terms of like proof, it is the same. It's about 18% okay. alcohol, which is typically what port tends to be. Sherry is not quite that strong, but yeah. You know, it is a fortified wine beverage. It can so, be that strong if you do a sherry flight. It certainly can be. Just saying. So you need good, good olives, slash good lemons if you like them. So take a, I'm going to say shaker cup. It will not be shaken. That James Bond whole thing is bullshit. There's a great line in the West Wing about how all, all James Bond is doing is ordering a weak martini. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. functionally what he's doing. Don't even get me started on his like Vesper creation because that's just a lot of confusing nonsense. But we'll and we'll go into this as I as we explain the recipe. But you take you take your shaker cup from your cocktail mixer set, fill it with ice, add your gin, add your vermouth, and if you want, half an ounce of your olive brine juice stuff. Okay. Stir for about 10-15 seconds. Yes. Stir for about 10-15 seconds. You'll notice that the outside of the cup will kind of frost over when it's properly cold. You've got to get this drink icy, icy cold. Otherwise, it's going to taste like you're just sipping gin. Which, I mean, yeah, if you want, but that's not the point of this drink. Right. It's got to be ice cold. So, shaken martinis, like you said, they dissolve too much of the ice. The kinetic energy in shaking just dissolves the ice, waters down the drink. It's not that pleasant. And it makes the drink look cloudy when you do pour it. So you don't want that. So stir for 10, 15 seconds. Get, pop your strainer on. Pour it into a nice little martini glass, V-shaped glass. And then garnish with either a lemon twist or chuck some olives in there, whatever you like. And then you got to drink this reasonably quickly while it's cold. This is not a sipping over a half hour beverage. Right. This is, you know, you got three minutes. You got to go. It's why the glasses are not very big. Yeah, yeah, it's not a huge cocktail compared to what some of the stuff we've made before. This is not about pretty much just straight alcohol. Drink it, (laughs) move on to the next one, drink that one too. Yeah. So enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I I wish I will, I will, when I can get out of my house, I will try this drink, but you don't think I'll like it. I'm not convinced just because it, it is unlike any of the other drinks we've done. There's no, there's nothing to cut the, the the spirits taste. Yeah. There is no 
nothing to sweeten it. There's you, you just gotta lean into the fact that if you like gin, this is for you. And just and I know you're not the biggest gin fan, which I'm, you know well, yeah. that's fine. So, you're a bourbon still, girl, and that's you know, cool. But I still, I'll still give it a shot. Yeah, by all means. All right. Okay. Are we ready for ghosts? I'm ready for ghosts. Okay, this is like a doozy of a story. And I've said that a lot, but I genuinely think this is the longest one we've ever done. And okay. it is the only thing we're covering this episode. And I am so excited to get into it. So it is, without any further ado, the Winchester Mystery House. Okay, that sounds fun. So before we get into all of it, um, I'm going to introduce you to our central character. One Miss Sarah Lockwood Party Winchester. That's a great name. Yes. Sarah was born in New Haven, Connecticut in 1839. Her mm. parents were Sarah and uh, Leonard. Um, pretty well-to-do family. Sarah was actually kind of considered to be a bit of a prodigy. Um, okay. By 12, she had mastered French, Spanish, Italian, and Latin. Well done. Well done. She played three different instruments and was like known to be quite the mathematician. She was also very well read and was like very well versed in all of the classics. And so, and she was also considered to be quite beautiful. Um, and so she's called the Belle, of, the Belle of New Haven. Something mm. she was referred to as. So she kind of had this like charmed life at the beginning. This won't end badly at all. Well, let's, let's find out what happened to our dear Sarah. So in 1862, she was married to William Wirt Winchester, the only son of Oliver Winchester, who founded the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So kind yeah. of the Winchester rifle is kind of iconic in America. It's the gun that won the West. It's, it's the gun that won the West. It was... Annie Oakley's like favorite weapon of choice, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. those type of like Wild West yeah, characters Buffalo that Bill. you see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It also killed a lot of people. A lot of people, a lot of buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning the buffalo. They kind of get left <laughs> out. So in 1866, the couple had a daughter by mm -hmm. the name of Annie. Um, she was born on June 15th, but unfortunately, she passed away on July 25th of that same year. And she's the only child they had. She died of um, marasmus, which is a type of malnutrition where, like, you have difficulty taking in calories. Oh. Like, your body doesn't allow you to take in calories the way that, like, it should. Um, and well, so, she, yeah. Um, in 1880, Oliver Winchester died. And then in March of 1881, William Winchester died of tuberculosis. So at that point, Sarah became the heir, the heiress um, to the Winchester fortune. And she received an inheritance of $20 million, which would be a lot in our time. But, yeah. but it, if you do the, the what, what am I trying to say? The what conversion. it translates into today. Mm -hmm. She would have received more than $510 million 
in inheritance. She also received 50% of the Winchester company and a daily income of at that time, $1,000 a day, which for us now would be just over $25,000 a day. On top of her million, Mm. on top of her 20 million inheritance. So she was not just like one of the richest women in the country. She was one of the richest women in the world. Good for her. But she decided not to stay on the East Coast. um, And she moved out to the West. And she bought a small farmhouse in San Jose, Mm. which is just south of San Francisco. So I'm counting it. (laughs) I'm (laughs) counting it as San Francisco. Um, Look, the 49ers count Santa Clara as part of San Francisco, which is like 50 miles away. So we're going to let it count. We're going to let it count. We're going to let it slide this time. And, and she also, she also owned several other properties throughout the Bay area. She had a houseboat (laughs) that she kept docked in the San Francisco Bay that was known Mm -hmm. as Sarah's Ark. And she also purchased a a ranch. (laughs) Yeah. And she also purchased a ranch and farmhouse in in Los Altos, California, which she then gave to her sister and brother-in-law. Lovely. But this house that she bought in, uh, in, uh, in San Jose, this, she bought, it was about 40 acres of land when she first bought it. And there was a two-story cottage that sat on the property that eventually would turn into a sprawling mansion. She was renovating that house. She over in the first 20 years. Okay. So (laughs) I should just preface this by saying Construction on this house lasted for 38 years. It never stopped, literally never stopped. Um, That's a great sign. That's a great sign. She had had people signed up and she had people working split shifts so that workers were working 24 hours a day, um, seven days a week, literally construction. Like I'm not joking. Construction never stopped on this house. Um, That's still ridiculous. Right? Yeah, it's insane. I'll get into it. (laughs) Please do. I I apologize. The house grew to cover over 24,000 square feet. Um, They say at the height of construction, it probably had about 500 rooms. But because of like constantly changing plans, construction plans, um, Mm. only about 161 are still intact today. The house has 40 bedrooms, six kitchens, 2,000 doors, 10,000 window panes, 47 fireplaces, and 17 chimneys. Good grief. I highly recommend looking it up. I'm going to have to. Don't look it up till I, I'm going to sort of get into it. So, um, and in, in 1906, that earthquake that we talked about before um, caused a seven-story tower in the home to crash. And at that point, Sarah kind of decided instead of building upwards, she was going to build outwards. Okay. But I bet you're asking, Taylor, what makes this a mystery? It just sounds like Sarah Winchester was like, and yeah. it was into HGTV before there was HGTV. This is a kooky lady. We don't know anything about her. So, the, yeah, we don't know anything. I mean, we're going to get into it. We're going to, we're going to learn a lot about her. Tell me where she was weird. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. You're going to hate it. Oh, Um, no. So the most common story of why Sarah moved out West was that shortly after inheriting the Winchester fortune, 
She says that, you know, the story goes that she began to be plagued by the spirits of people who were killed by the Winchester rifle. There we go. And when it became too much for her, she went to a psychic, a Boston psychic. Um, he had, I know, I read his name in an article, but I can't remember what it was. Anyway, he told her that the only way for her to, to like appease these spirits would be to move out West, buy a home and build on that home nonstop. The psychic told her if she ever stopped construction, she would die. This is some Boston psychic going, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck away from me. I want nothing to do with you. It's really important to contextualize this, though, for a minute, because at the time that this was happening in sort of like the late 1800s, spiritualism and the spiritualism movement was very prevalent in the United States. It was kind of this idea that you could communicate with the dead through different means, including seances. And Sarah was known to be a spiritualist, which if you think about how many people died in her life, spiritualism probably was very appealing to her. Unrelated, but Harry Houdini, kind of around this time period, generic. Hold on. Okay, go on, go on. I can't later in the story. He was was known to be very against spiritualism. Right, which is what I was going to say. We'll, we'll get there. Okay, I promise. get to it. Okay. So the, the common notion is that <laughs> Sarah, at the, at the center of the house, there is a seance room. And it, of the house, this huge house in the center, there's, a, there's a, um, a seance room. And it said that Sarah every night would go into the seance room by herself. Um, it said that she was the only person who had a key to this room. She would go in by herself, commune with the dead, and the next day she'd have new plans for the house, new construction plans. If this was 2020 California, this would be her weed room. So just be where she smokes tremendous amounts of marijuana and comes up with some wild shit, which is totally fine. You do you. The alternate theory. There's kind of an alternate theory too that she wasn't necessarily communing with the dead, but that she was creating sort of a house that was almost a labyrinth to hide from the spirits. Fair. Construction. (laughs) Construction rarely stopped on the home for 38 years. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Cruz did not stop working on the house until Sarah's death in 1922. So from about 18, so from about 1884 until 1922. Impressive. Constant construction. Some things that are sort of, you know, just again, she was a very eccentric lady. Um, It said that she never slept in the same bedroom two nights in a row. I mean, why would you if you had that many? I mean, luckily you have 40 bedrooms. There are construction features in the home that are inexplicable. And I'm going to get into some of those. There are a number of trap doors and secret passages throughout the home. There Great. are, like I, like I said, there are 10,000 window panes, several of which are built into the floor. There is a skylight built into the first floor of the home. I mean, who wants to see what's below you at all times? Right. Why not? 
There are staircases that lead to nowhere. Excellent. There are doors that open to brick walls. Most notably, there is a door on the second floor that leads straight out into the yard. It, 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 like literally just a drop into the yard. You open the door and you could fall out of the home. I can't mind the contractor. You know, you want what, ma'am? Okay, fine. As long as the check clears, I'm good. Right? On the third floor of the home, there's a room referred to as the witch's cap. It's not really known what the room was for, but the cone-shaped, the way that the room is, is shaped, there's a cone-shaped ceiling. It said that if you stand in the middle of the room, your echo can be heard like all around you. Okay, great. Pretty cool. And the number 13 <laughs> plays a huge role throughout the house. There are 13 bathrooms. There are 13 hooks in the walls in the seance room. There are 13 drain holes in the sink. There is a, there is a hall called the Hall of Fires, which is just like a hall full of fireplaces. This there is a crazy person. There are a number of stained glass windows throughout the house. One is said to contain 13 precious gems. There are 13 parts to Sarah Winchester's will, and she signed her will 13 times. Oh, my goodness. I've already mentioned. Like, like, hold on. Is this like just the signature block and then she just kept going? Or was there like, were there, was there a reason for the 13 letters? No, she just signed it 13 times. Okay, so this is just a board lady. I got it. I've already mentioned the the earthquake, but there's a little bit more to that story. So Sarah Winchester was in the home when the earthquake happened, and she actually, the house like shifted, and she actually became trapped in one of the rooms that she was in. Of course Uh, she did. When she was rescued, she had sort of become convinced that the earthquake was like a sign that she was getting too close to completing the house. And so she sealed off that part of the house so that it could never be finished. Is this available to visit now? Yes, yes. You can visit this home and see all of these things. Like nothing I'm saying is made up. You can take tours. (laughs) Apart from the possibly paranormal beginnings of the home, there are reports of spirits that still haunt the place. Um, Of course. One of those, and I put a picture in here. So one of them is, uh, he's often is a, is a clearly a man who worked at the home. They've named him Clyde. It's not clear that that was his real name. That's just what he's been named, but he was a real person. Um, that picture, he's the one on the far right. Um, he's often seen, um, in white overalls and a Victorian boater hat um, pushing a wheelbarrow in the basement. Or sometimes he's seen like repairing a fireplace in the ballroom. In fact, people have complimented management at the Winchester house for like the actor that they have playing this guy. And they're like, there's not an actor. Okay. So they're seeing a ghost named Clyde. Yeah. They named him Clyde. They, they just, because they, because he's seen so often, they've given him a name just to like have something to call him. Surely um, a ghost would have a better name than Clyde. Don't be judgy about his ghost name. Like, don't get me wrong. I've known humans named Clyde. I like that that's like your bone to pick with this. It's like, I don't like the name Clyde. Yeah, that is exactly my bone. That like, 
If I could be a ghost, I would pick a different name than Clyde. He didn't pick his name. I'm telling you. The staff chose it for him. If you're a ghost, you could find a way to change that name. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's Don't like, call me Clyde. A lot of people have actually... <laughs> a lot of people have said that maybe he's a residual. We've talked about residual hauntings versus intelligent yes. hauntings. A lot of people think that he's a residual haunting, that he's not intelligent. He can't interact with the people around him. That he's just that sort wouldn't of surprise me. Like impression of, you know, a worker who used to work there. There's there's mm. no as far as I could find in my research, there's no evidence that any of the construction workers died while on the job. Mm. Or that any of the staff workers ever died while working there. I'm gonna get sort of into that later, but but there's not a lot of um, the person, the only person who's record, like absolutely recorded to have died in the home is Sarah Winchester. But if you're, you know, having seances every night, <laughs> you know, why not? Why not? Who knows what you invite in at that point? People have reported hearing footsteps throughout the home, as well as mysterious voices, doors slamming, and windows breaking. There are also reports of people. Why not? <laughs> there are also reports of like people hearing nails like being pulled out of the walls and then like falling to the ground okay employees at the winchester house have reported feeling like people walk past them when they when they're alone in rooms um or they'll report people tugging at their clothes one longtime employee of the winchester house even reported that one day he was entering the water tower um, and he heard footsteps on the floor above him. So he went to go check it out and be like, hey, like, you're not allowed to be up here if it's a trespasser. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said every time he went to a new floor, he'd hear footsteps on the floor above him. And when he eventually got to the roof, there was no one there. Oh, okay. A tour guide that was working at the Winchester house says that on one occasion she was walking up the stairs and she tripped or she's walking up or down. I'm not sure which way, but she tripped on the stairs and she was completely alone, but she says she felt a pressure on her arm and a voice audibly asked if she was okay. And when she looked up, there was no one there. Okay. Creepy. A little bit. The third floor is said to be particularly active according to people who work there. The staff, that was where the staff lived when, when, when Sarah Winchester was living at the house. Um, it's also where the, the witch's cap is. Um, again, that room that sort of no one knows why it exists. Right. <laughs> but they, they say they will not go to that part of the, the house by themselves. They reported hearing footsteps while up there and also hearing people whisper their names. So like very pointed of like, if you were on the floor, you would hear someone whispering like, Ben, Ben, like they know your name. No, thank you. No, thank you. A little creepy. Just just a touch. (laughs) There are many reports of shadow figures being seen throughout the home, like particularly like around corners. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And on the stairs sometimes um, shadowy figures have been seen like standing at the windows of the mansion there was a picture there's a picture but i i didn't include it in our notes because it was a picture taken by the like head of communications for the winchester house oh okay so it's clearly not not that i was like "Uh, 
I have feelings yeah. about that. Okay, that's fine. It's bullshit. Go on. Um, one of the most um, extreme things people have reported is feeling like a sense of unease or even feeling dizzy in the home while on tours. And again, yeah, I wonder why. We've talked about that too happening in certain places. Like I think when we talked about the Peyton Randolph house in Williamsburg, mm-hmm. that sometimes right. certain places can just give you a sense of unease. Mm-hmm. And and I will say like. There are stores, there are like stairs that lead to nowhere and doors that just open and you could die. Like That's a shame. It's kind of crazy. Um, Sarah herself is said to be one of the spirits that still roams the grounds of these, of the sprawling mansion. A group of investigators held like an, like an investigation. I hate saying investigators had an investigation, but whatever. Right. In what was like Sarah's official bedroom. Again, she like rarely slept in the same room. Every I mean, when night. you had that kind of variety, why would you? Right. But this is the room that she died in, in 1922. So one of the teams of investigators claimed that they witnessed a floating red light in the bedroom that seemed to explode and then fade away. Okay. This, this one, uh, listen. Um, a psychic in that same group claimed to see a couple dressed in servants' clothing standing in the corner of the room. They were not there. Okay. Um, in October 31st of 1975, a psychic by the name of Jeannie Borgen and a medium by the name of Joy Adams visited the home. They held a seance in Sarah Winchester's bedroom, um, the one where she died. And at one point during the seance, Borgen claimed that she felt Sarah Winchester's overwhelming spirit, like in the room with them. And the people who were, the people who were there say that Borgen's hair actually began to turn gray and her face aged before their very eyes, before she went back to normal. Which is spooky as hell. (laughs) I mean, my first thought is that she received some particularly stressful tax information. And just thought, oh God. I don't know. Um, a number of psychics and investigators Taylor, have Taylor, come on. Listen, I was not there. <laughs> I cannot say it I'm is- not saying you had to be. Her hair just turned gray and went, oh no. Like in like a second she she appeared to age before everyone's eyes and then immediately went back to looking like herself. Yeah, everyone just people just age and run their friends and then go back to normal that's the thing i have no idea i mean here's my thing if any of the rumors about sarah winchester are true that she was holding seances there every night that's letting in a lot of energy then you don't always know what that energy is no i you say bullshit i don't say bullshit (laughs) i don't think that you should fuck around with the spirit world I would say that even if I wasn't a believer, I don't think you should fuck with things you don't know about. I that, that is inherently fair. But the idea that someone just age in front of you, and everyone just go, "Oh man, she's aged." Wait, no, 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 she hasn't. It turned back. I'm not going to say it doesn't sound like something you would see in a horror film, but like, I don't know what the fuck could happen if there's. Listen, you just don't know. She's had a very stressful day. I've had stressful stressful days at work, and that's sort of what happens. 
I feel like I'm eight, I mean, if your years. job is a psychic and you're channeling a spirit, that could also be very stressful. Sure. Anyway. Sure, why not? Anyway, we're going to bring your homeboy in here in just a second. Um, Go on. A number of investigators have been through the house over the years, psychics, everything like that. Some very famous names. I Listen, Zach Baggins and the crew, Zach Bagans. Oh, God, me. not fucking Baggins. No, no, no. I'm not getting into it. I didn't watch his episode. I, they did two episodes. Apparently, one of those episodes, it got to be so much that they had to leave. They've yeah. never left during an investigation before, and they had to leave during this one. I don't Just know. I don't like Fuck him. all, I'm sure. Um, but I'm actually going to talk about Harry Houdini. So I told you it was going to come. Okay. I'm down for Houdini. So in 1924, Harry Houdini, who was like a well-known magician, but was also known for like, he hated spiritualism and he also really hated, I think he hated the fact that people were, that there were people swindling people. Oh, absolutely. I could do a whole episode on the Fox sisters. There are like, if you have, if you don't know about the Fox sisters, don't look them up because I I may do them in an episode. They're terribly fun. Um, I was going to say, I don't want to call Houdini magician because he was, he was an illusionist, which is an illusionist. Yes. That is a distinctive thing. Okay. I'll grant you that. He was an illusionist. And so he was actually doing a tour where he was mm. like, I'm just going to go around and debunk right. a bunch of stuff and like show you why this isn't real. It, around Halloween of 1924, so Sarah Winchester had already passed. He went to the, to the Winchester house and he, you know, was, he stayed there for a while. He is actually the person who named it the Winchester Mystery House because he could not explain anything that he saw. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's where the name Winchester Mystery House comes from, comes from Harry Houdini, who I mean, notoriously that, hated spiritualistic things, and he could not explain anything in this house. That sounds like the ultimate accreditation. If Houdini couldn't call it, then you know what? Fine. Fuck it. Magic. <laughs> Let's go. I'm actually, I'm actually going to hear, I'm at the end here, I'm going to talk a little bit about Sarah Winchester herself. Um, and sort of some things about the house. I mentioned earlier that she was from a very well-to-do family in New Haven. She was very well-educated. I think a lot of people, she gets the kind of history of being very eccentric because of everything I just said. But in a lot of ways, she was actually a pioneer. A lot of the facets of this home are undeniably strange. (laughs) Again, I'm going to go back to that door that just leads out (laughs) to nothing. Sure. Um, but she was one of the first people in the, in the world to have a telephone in her house. She was one of the first people to have elevators in her house. She had three elevators in her house. Um, what is it like to be the first person or one of the first to have telephones in their house? Like operator? I, I, read six, somewhere, I read somewhere that her number was one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Operator, two, three, six, please. <laughs> you like, um, you got a very few numbers to dial. She was one of the first people to have a shower installed in her home, which makes mm-hmm. sense as she was only four foot 10 and she suffered from severe rheumatoid arthritis. She couldn't climb in and out of a bathtub. And so she, cool. so she had a shower installed. In fact, a lot of the things, some of the strange designs that we've talked about, she designed herself to make life 
easier for herself to get around because she suffered from severe rheumatoid arthritis. So a lot of these a lot of these staircases that we talk about being very strange, some of them were very narrow, but had very um, like not steep steps so that she could get around. That's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, she also created a system in her home for like communicating with her staff throughout the house. Hmm. She had call tubes installed that when she spoke into them, you could hear her crystal clear in whatever room you were in. She Hmm. also created like a bell system, but the bells coordinated to um, a board on the wall that would flash a number. So you knew what floor she was on. So you should get, you could get to her. Um, She, I was, I was watching this video that she, she loved gardening so much. And when she was unable to garden outside she actually created indoor gardens with an indoor garden like an indoor irrigation system she after you know disagreements with different contractors most of the plans were drawn up by sarah winchester herself she would draw the Mm. actual plans out and even without formal formal training she was like very interested in architecture a lot of the stuff was her trying out new things she also, and I was, re- this was really interesting that, like I said, there are 47 fireplaces. Each fireplace contained like, and I'm, I'm not going to say this exactly right because I didn't write it down like I should have, but there were these boxes under the, under the fireplaces that would collect the ash and then send them right. down to the basement so that the staff wouldn't have to deal with that. A lot of the stuff in the house was actually designed to make things easier for her servants. Mm. Um, and she was said to be very close with her staff, that she she was very kind and very understanding and, and again, tried to do things to make their lives easier. So she was not without her oddities. <laughs> she And I think also she was a woman consumed by grief, that like she lost her entire Fair. family. And not that long of a, I mean, like her child died so soon and and she never had any more children and then she lost her husband and then she like inherited all this money um and she was actually said to she never was seen without like heavy mourning garb Mm -hmm. she would always sort of sort of like in that victorian way of just like she would always be wearing these like heavy black dresses and veils despite being in california (laughs) um and you know, they even said that after her death, they discovered like this room with like several layers of protection. And in that room was a safe and they were expecting to open the safe and find all kinds of like shit. And all they found inside of it was a lock of her daughter's hair and her husband's obituary and her daughter's obituary. And that was all that was. That's creepy. Great, great. (laughs) Um, But I think that if you look at her in sort of a different light, she was a woman ahead of her time and they, not many women were taking on these like major construction projects and were playing such like an important role in them. Um, True. So I think that could have like, if you were sort of faced with this woman who was acting like not other women act, you would probably create sort of stories about her where she's crazy and believes in this, mm. you know, blah, da, 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 da. And, and I know, you know, a lot of that Sadly, stuff. Is, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I mean, even when I was first talking about her and, and the stuff that, it, and, and there's stuff in the house that is weird, that is undeniably strange. Um, and it seems that the strangeness has sort of continued um, even after her death, even after construction has stopped. But, you know, I think that there, there is this certain light where you can see that she was just kind of this pioneer. Right. So, and, and she was deeply interested. I, I, in architecture and things like that. And, and the house is gorgeous. The house is beautiful. There are stained glass windows throughout. There is a mix of different design styles. Um, it is a Queen Anne revival style home. Mm. Um, but it has kind of this, there are rooms where you can see a Japanese influence. There are rooms where you can see like Greco-Roman or and then in some rooms, Egyptian influence, Persian all of these different design styles that she's trying out. I mean, everything, there are radiators that have designs. There are, I mean, nothing in this house is done in a small, subtle way. (laughs) Um, And yes, there are definitely weird aspects um, and, and, and stories of hauntings and things like that, that I think are definitely part of its history. But I think also we should have a critical eye. And that's the end. Yeah. I'm still down here. Like, the critical eye stories like yeah these are weird and these are unusual but like that's the that's sort of the very limited window in, in my mind where i think that's that's where the fun is yeah you know yeah i mean i'd love to visit this house yeah so would i in the daytime yeah okay yeah fair enough like i'm not a believer but at the same time i'm not trying to tempt fate here I think that there's too many weird things of like, okay, uh, discounting the story about the psychics, whatever you want to think about that. But staff yeah, saying that enough. like, I was falling down the stairs, there was no one around and I felt someone grab my arm and then ask if I was okay and there was no one there. That's a weird yeah, that's story weird. to me. That's too weird. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, but, but again, too, like any stories I've heard the hauntings don't seem terribly malicious. Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, you think like, they don't have to be malicious. They just have to know that you're there, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I do think there's something strange about hearing your own name whispered. Yeah. I, I, that to me is very creepy because like, what if it's your first day on the job? And you're walking yeah, like, through the third floor. You don't know all the stories yet. And you just hear someone be like, hey, Vin. And you like look around and there's no one there. That's, who knows my name? <laughs> Vin is one thing. I have a fairly complicated first proper name. Yeah. If they said that, I might change and become a believer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows what you might hear at the Winchester Mystery House? I think it's also very telling that Harry Houdini was like, nah, I got nothing. Fair. Absolutely fair. Because Houdini was so aggressive in his sort of, this isn't real. I mean, incredibly aggressive. Magician, like, was so aggressive in that belief. Yeah. I mean, he even was like, if ghosts are real, I'll haunt you when I die. Like, right. but if I don't haunt you, guess what? Ghosts aren't real. <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, appendicitis. Fuck this. <laughs> I can't just... Yeah. 
poor boy. I feel like you and Harry Houdini would have gotten along very well. I think we would have. Because <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I, I absolutely share his viewpoint on things. Yeah. Although, you don't know if you went into the Winchester Mystery House. And I, I think too, like, I mean, go, I, good for him to be like, hey, these people are like, you're being caught in a trap. Like, these people right. are getting money from you and you don't have to be giving them money. Like, right. Um, there is something kind Good of for him for, for heroic about the that. But for yeah. him, I mean, the Winchester at that at the at that point, tours were happening at the Winchester house. I mean, people were interested in it when she was building it, and then you know when she died, it sort of became. In fact, I was reading that the, one of the first investors in this home was Ripley uh, from Ripley's Believe It or Not. Well, why not? You might as well cash in. Right. I mean, and so like immediately people were trying to cash in on this, you know, site. And so Harry Houdini was like, I'm going to go in there. Yeah. See what this is about. And then he was like, mm, mm, Winchester Mystery House. I don't know. Mystery. <laughs> well, okay. So thanks to the pandemic, I've been watching a lot of um, Penn and Teller Fool Us, mm-hmm. like, which, is, which is designed to be a show that like tries to figure out if magicians are real or fake or whatever and while there's a lot of sort of oh i see what you're doing here there's also a little bit of oh i don't know what this is this is amazing and i find myself more and more entranced by that rather than the i see what the trick is like i'm kind of watching more and more of like oh no i don't understand this and it's amazing so like oddly enough i'm falling in love with the sort of like Where's the mystery? Yeah. Rather than trying to figure out, oh, I don't like this. I know what the mystery is. Boo. So we should go to the Winchester Mystery House once the pandemic is over. I mean, I'm down to go to San Francisco. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it's a house I would like. I mean, even just from like, I love doing house tours. Um, Mm. I love seeing like, oh my God, you can do a tour of the Dooley Mansion at Maymont mm. and that's very cool uh, because so much of it is still I mean a lot of it's recreation but they've gotten stuff like just like walk through someone's old home and you know that like some of the furniture was their actual furniture there is in um in the bedroom of that house there is a bed that is carved like a swan it's the swan bed it, I mean it's very very um, I have been to Maymont. I have not done the, the proper tour. M- my wife and I did our engagement photos there, but we did so like illicitly. That oh, we oh. seek permission first. So I've not so done. Did you the, go inside the house? We did not. Okay. We did, you know, the Italian gardens, the Japanese gardens. We yeah. did all the photos without permission. It's like, I think, a $5 donation to do the tour. It's very w- well worth it. Um, we might have to. It's very cool. And I see I think, the swan bed, and I think, damn it, I want to be in a swan bed. Yeah, there's a swan bed, and then literally the vanity in that room is literally made from narwhal horns, which is, like, kind of upsetting that they had to kill oh, a narwhal. Oh, come on. But yeah. literally, narwhal. I'm not, oh, god damn it. Really? That's very depressing. baby is the Gilded Age. 
I mean, Gilda was fucking. There is also an incredibly interesting. um, uh, It's kind of before you go on the tour, you can tour the downstairs, and there's like a lot of interesting exhibits on like what life was like if you were a servant at the home, which is also very, very interesting and very well done. Maybe once all this is over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't go right now. No, I, I shall not do that. But yeah, I I I I like taking house tours in general. Um I wish I'd done more when I went to LA. Mm. Um you can do house cool. You can do mm-hmm. some some places there, have have tours open. But um yeah, I would I would definitely like just from an from you know just to see the house itself, but then also to see these like very strange features of like doors opening up to nothing and sure. doors opening up to brick walls and like staircases yeah. that lead to nowhere. And, right. you know, but also the cool things too of like indoor plumbing was relatively new and she used it a lot. She created an indoor irrigation system for her plant. Like her, that's cool. Yeah, that's a, that's important. That's, a, that's yeah. genuinely significant. Yeah, that like she was making her life easier. In fact, a lot of the doorways and stuff are smaller because she was a smaller person. She's about my mom's. I would never have thought of that. So that's that's kind of neat to think about. Yeah, she's 5'10, which is about Mm. if you've seen my mother, which like viewers, you haven't, but then you've met my mom. (laughs) So (laughs) if you think about my mom, she was about that size. Wait, wait, wait. 510 or 410? 410. I was going to say, because I'm 510. Did I say 510? I meant 410. I'm sorry. No. She's 410. Oh, good. I was was just about to say. Yeah, no, 510 is like a normal. 510 is. Your mother is lovely, but she's not 510. No, my mom (laughs) is 410. Uh, My mom's like 49, 410, given the. And she's delightful. She is. She's very small. Yeah. One time I called her a Trixie little hobbit. She did not enjoy that. No, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I think that the Winchester house is fascinating. I'm really glad I got a chance. I think, I think these are the longest notes I've written for a show for a single location. That's okay though. Like, and I, they're fascinating. I'd love to go. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Yeah. So hopefully you guys enjoy it too. (laughs) I think we will. I wouldn't doubt it. And hopefully, I mean, I feel like if you enjoy the paranormal, uh, Sarah Winchester gets brought up a lot, but hopefully I was able to sort of bring up a different point of view. I think you were. So that's what I got, man. That is our week's episode this week. Yeah. I hope you you all liked it. Our intro and outro music is New Wave by Billy Neptune. Please, please, please follow us on both Twitter and Instagram. We are at Podcast Restless. You can give us a shout if you have ideas for the show, drink recommendations, um, requests, whatever you got. And your stories. I say this a lot. I think we've said it now a couple of times. We really want to do a listener episode um, and talk about your stories. And I will be open-minded and then will be nice i mean i hope unless you say that you and your friends ate or i'll just drink a lot and then 
it won't matter if I'm nice because I'll just be drunk. <laughs> but be sure to tune in next week when we will be talking about an entirely new city. I don't know what city we're doing yet. Um, and we'll keep it out on our social media for any updates or anything like that. We usually post pictures of our drinks and post pictures. Oh, Vin, you'll have to take a picture of your martini. Yes, please. We'll do. You got to do that. I can't do it. You can do it. I mean, that's what, um, I'll have to make another one. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we will try to be active on social media. Thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, they really the, the the rating and the reviewing really helps us get a little absolutely further. It, sure does. Um, it gets us seen. It gets us out there. And you know, this this show is super fun for us to do. And I think we hope it's just as fun for you guys. So if you like what you're hearing, tell somebody, tell someone that you think, I can't tell you how many podcast recommendations I've made and I've made them on this show. So, you know, spread the word. <laughs> word of mouth. At the very least, you, can, you don't have to do it by word of mouth. You can tag us on Twitter and, you know, share that way. So yeah, we're happy for us to do it however you like however you'd like um and i we're gonna end this it's so hard when we're not in the same room but we're gonna give it a shot so yeah. one two three fuck Keep off tucson spooky oh <laughs> wow we really weren't on the same page that time ben i'm not gonna say that about tucson i mean i think it's just necessary gonna... to say on a weekly basis fuck off Tucson. I'm just going to say keep it spooky. <laughs> That's fine. You, you're welcome to say that. Right. I'm going to wrap this up now, guys. I'm going to corral him. <laughs> good night. Keep it spooky. Or good keep day. It. I don't know when you're listening to this. Keep it spooky. Fuck off Tucson. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>